Today we're going to be talking about fear, and there are different types of fear. Some of you got a little afraid um, in that moment. That's, that's kind of like your body's reaction to circumstances around you, and it helps you cope sometimes in healthy ways in emergency situations to react in certain ways. But we're going to kind of take it uh, beyond that today, and I feel that many of us have these mindsets of fear that dominate much of our life. Before we jump into the message, let me kind of get us on the same page. Uh, last week, we opened this, um, this series uh, kind of talking about how we have mindsets that dominate our lives at times, and really, they can hold us hostage, and they can keep us from experiencing God's best. And here's the passage that we looked at last week. It was um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, a a popular passage. Um, And this is what it says. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, if you remember what we talked about last week, we talked about the fact that Paul wasn't talking here about taking his own thoughts captive. He wasn't talking about an explicit filter here to navigate every thought that came into his mind. But really, he was talking about thoughts that opposed the knowledge of God. There were arrogant, philosophical thoughts of people who had misunderstandings of God, and they were trying to infiltrate the church. And we talked about if we really wanted to apply this to our lives, it's good to have a filter, and there's nothing wrong with having a filter to filter our thoughts. But if we really want to apply this scripture to our life, then what we need to do is we need to allow the words of Paul and the words of scripture to kind of open up our soul and really take captive every thought that's against the knowledge of God. That some of us just may have been taught things from a kid. We may just assume things of God that we may not know. And we may have allowed mindsets to creep into our mind, to dominate our thinking that don't, allow, don't align with God's word. And so we said the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some specific issues. Today it's going to be fear. The Bible has a lot to say about fear. And what we're going to say is, is God, if I have a mindset that doesn't align with your word, that I might experience your best in this life, then we pray that you would just take those mindsets captive. That you, would just, that you would just rescue us from those mindsets and set us free and renew us, transform us by the renewing of our mind, as we talked about that Romans said. So that's kind of the, the background. And what we're doing for the next four weeks is we're going to look at some specific issues and we're going to go to God's word and we're going to just say, God, does my mindset allow, align with your word? And if it doesn't, Just strip me of all those mindsets. Just free me from those plaguing thoughts that keep me from living in line with your word and experiencing your best in our life. Now, I don't know if you've had an experience where you've been intensely afraid or terrified before. Mostly uh, all of us, I would assume, have. For me, I was in eighth grade. And my brother was in 10th grade. He had just started driving. He was at school. I rode the bus home. So I was home alone for a period before my brother got home. And then my dad got home from work. And uh, during uh, this time uh, that I'm sharing with you, our home had recently been, there had been an attempt to break into our home. So the back door to our home 
uh, had like, somebody had taken a screwdriver and they had tried to like pry into the door. Thankfully, the deadbolt kept them out. But they stole some things from the outside of our home. One was a, a motorbike that I loved dearly and I'm scarred for life that I never got another one. Uh, but um, we had this deep discussion in our home. If you ever hear something, you know, you call somebody. If, if someone's ever at a door and, and you don't just go and open it, you know, so we'd had these, we'd had these thoughts. And so one day I'm home by myself. I'd just gotten home from school and I think I was getting a snack or something. And I heard like some knocking on that back door. Okay. And I got so intensely afraid because when I looked out the front window, there was no car. I didn't recognize a car. There was nothing in the front window. There was no one in our driveway. I just heard someone at the back door trying to get in. And, and my thought, I thought, they're back. They're back. And so I did what any heroic eight-year-old, eighth grader would do. I ran to my room and I got under the bed and I stayed there until someone else got home. Seriously, I was entirely frantic. I thought that my life was going to end that day. I can't describe to you the tangible fear that just possessed my soul. I couldn't breathe. I was heavy breathing. And it was just this intense terror that came over me that kept me under my bed for probably 45 minutes until someone came home. And my dad's like, what are you doing? And I was like, someone's at the back door. We went and it was a UPS man. He had parked in the neighbor's driveway. He was just knocking, laid a package down and he left. And I'm under the bed thinking someone's trying to get me. Right? We've all experienced fear on some level, but can we be honest that there are different types of fear? Like there's the fear that helps us to react in ways that keep us from danger. You know, someone's coming down the road and they come into your lane and you have that moment of like, maybe, maybe it, you honk the horn and you flash the lights or you swerve to avoid something and that fear compels you to act upon a circumstance that's happening immediately that may keep you out of danger. But then there's a type of fear that just plagues you. It's a mindset that holds you hostage. It paralyzes you. It keeps you from attempting things. It keeps you from doing things. It, it makes you constantly afraid. It's like you live your life in agony because you have a mindset that really, honestly, isn't a mindset that comes from God, that's developed through Christ. And it's not healthy. And it keeps us from experiencing things. So I want to take you to a passage, and we look at several scriptures uh, today to help you. If you're in that boat, like me, and at times in your life, you've just felt paralyzed. You've just felt like you can't even take a step. You can't make a decision. You can't do things that you know you need to do because you're just held hostage by this fear. Today, I'm believing that God's going to set us free from that. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Luke chapter number 22. We're going to start in verse number 39 as you're turning there. Let me just say that in the scripture, uh, the command, do not fear or fear not, is the most stated command in all of scripture. Do not fear, fear not, most stated command in all of scripture. If you are living your life in fear, that is not from God. In fact, it opposes what God teaches us on how to live a life in him. So, so if that's you today, we're going to kind of get on the same page and we're going to believe that the peace that God's actually designed us to live in is going to be our reality. Luke chapter number 22, starting in verse number 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. 
And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. Listen to his prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. This is on the brink of the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion that he's about to endure. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, we're going to come back to this word. And being in anguish, some versions say agony. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? A lot going on in this passage. Jesus knows that it's just moments from now that he would be arrested, betrayed by one of his 12 closest followers, and and be taken away, ultimately to give his life as a ransom for you and I, ultimately, and all of humanity. And he has withdrawn, and he's praying. And listen again to verse number 44. And being in anguish or agony... In the original Greek that this is written, that word is actually agonia, which is a struggle, or it can be interpreted as a great fear. That Jesus had a great fear. He wrestled. He was struggling with what was about to happen. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what needed to happen, but he was struggling with it. He was afraid. He was in agony. He was in anguish. So much so that it said his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Interesting that this is written by Luke, who was actually a physician. Um, And this, what he's describing, is actually a medical condition where your sweat becomes like drops of blood. It's called hematohydrosis. It's a very rare condition, but we see Jesus here in a struggle. We see him about to face the most excruciating future that any man would ever face to that point, and he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Isn't it interesting that, that just a stone's throw behind his disciples were sleeping? They weren't carrying the weight that he was carrying. He's in anguish. His sweat has become like drops of blood. He is extremely afraid in this moment, and yet people just a stone's throw away can't even begin to understand what he's going through. I've found in my life that there are many times that I'll go through a situation or a circumstance and I'll carry a burden that people around me don't carry. And I'll have a mindset that people near me, even people who may know circumstances in my life, just don't carry the burden that I carry in those moments. Disciples could never have understood what was going through Jesus' mind in that moment, so much so that he even asked, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. There's another way. There's another way that we can accomplish this. Please don't make me endure this. We're not the only ones who get afraid. We're not the only ones who are faced with fear. Jesus himself was faced with fear, and I want us to look at how he responded to fear, and we're going to learn from him how to respond accordingly. First of all, I want us to ask the question, why did Jesus feel fear? 
I mean, he's the, he's the God of the universe in flesh, came to earth, sent from God. Why would he feel fear? What circumstances could possibly take place in his life that he would feel fear? And here's the first reason I believe. It's because he wanted to identify as a fellow human. See, when God so loved the world that he sent his only son to the earth to rescue humanity, he became fully human. Yes, he was God, but he was fully human. He dealt with emotions. He had feelings. He had thoughts just like you and just like me. And I believe one of the reasons that Jesus faced fear in this moment was so that he could identify with us or so that we could identify with him. And knowing that we have a God who has faced feelings that we face. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 15, says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In our time of need, there's mercy, there's grace available, but we can approach the throne of Jesus because we know that he's faced the things that we faced. Chapter 5, verse 1, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. Jesus Christ was our great high priest and he sympathizes us with us because he dealt with the same things and the same temptations that we've dealt with, the same thoughts that have plagued our minds, have tried to plague the mind of Jesus. Even so much so that in a moment he was in agony and his sweat was like, Drops of blood. Here's a few things that I want you to know. Fear is from the enemy. And his strategy in bringing fear into our life is to keep us from doing God's will. Even here in this moment with the Son of God, the enemy was trying to keep Jesus from doing God's will, from doing what needed to be done, what God's called him to do. And we're going to face things in life that God's called us to do, and we're going to have thoughts of fear that say, we can't do that. That's not going to turn out good. We can't take that step. We can't go in that direction. We can't make that commitment. And Satan uses, our spiritual enemy uses fear to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But here's the thing I love is that we actually have a Savior because Jesus acted above his fear. If Jesus had not have acted above his fear, we wouldn't have a savior today. If Jesus hadn't have in that moment when he was afraid, when he was in deep fear, if he hadn't have risen above that thought and said, God, not my will, but yours be done. If there's no other way, I'll still do this, even though I'm terrified of what's to come. And I think it's important for us to note that sometimes we have to learn what it means to rise above thoughts in our life because of the confidence that we find in God's will for our lives. See, here's, here's the thing. Satan wants us to believe that, that God's mad at us 
for not being perfect or who he wants us to be. And so in times that we need him most, we can't go to God for help because he's looking at us like, why are you even coming to me with this? But that's not the case. We have a God in heaven who sympathizes with us, who knows every temptation that we'll ever face. And in times where we need him most, in those times where we're deeply afraid, a fear that can almost paralyze us, that's when we need to run to Jesus the most. And Satan, he brings fear into our lives because he thinks that if he can keep us from running to God, then he can keep us from doing God's best in our lives and experiencing God's best in our lives. Always know that that Jesus experienced fear just like we experience fear so that he can identify with us. And he gives us a confidence that in moments of fear, when we feel that paralyzing mindset, we can run to the feet of Jesus and say, I know that you know what I'm going through. And I pray that you'll help me, give me grace to endure this season of my life. The second reason that I believe that Jesus felt fear was because he had a full knowledge of every single detail that he was about to endure. Though he was fully man, he was also fully God. We'll never understand that completely, but he was fully man and he experienced fear just like a man, but he was also fully God. He knew that one of his closest disciples was about to betray him with a kiss. We know that because he asked him before he even did it. He, he knew that he was about to be arrested by Roman guards and he was about to be taken and he was going to be accused of things that weren't true and he was going to be beaten and bruised. He knew every lash that would come across his back. He knew every nail that would be driven into his body. He knew every breath that he would take just trying to breathe one more breath. And he was afraid. See, so many times we're fearful of things because we don't know what's about to happen. We don't have the security of knowing exactly what's going to happen, but Jesus knew everything. And he knew what I'm about to face is something that no man should ever face. And it struck him with such fear. It was like agony. Here's, here's one thing that I love about this passage. You know, there's, there's a teaching in our world today that, that, that all roads lead to heaven. You may, have, you may have heard some of this teaching. Hopefully you haven't bought into this teaching that, that every religion, we should just, you know, we all get along in every religion. It's just a different way to get to God, but we're all going to get to the same God. And I want you to think about this. Jesus in the garden praying, sweating drops of blood in agony, in anguish, fearful for what he's about to face, cries out to his God, his Father in heaven, and he says, if there's any other way that I don't have to endure this, please, let's take plan B. Let's figure out something else. Yeah, he didn't figure out something else. Why? Because there was no other way. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no man that comes to the Father except through me. Jesus knew this is the only option for me in this moment for humanity to experience hope and life in God. See, what father in their right mind, if there was another option, would put their child through that? If that were the case, I would have no respect for God. 
God, if there was another way for you to rescue humanity than from your son Jesus suffering and dying for me, how dare you put him through that? When he begged you, when he asked you not to put him through that. The loving father says, son, this is the only way. There is no other way. And that's why I have such respect for the God I serve. It's because Jesus, knowing what he was about to endure, still endured it. Because there was no other way. He had a full knowledge of everything that was about to happen, so he was fearful. And thirdly, I believe that Jesus felt fear in this moment because, honestly, he was under just a full assault from the enemy. That Satan was just attacking him in that moment. See, fear, it's, it's not something, it's someone. And a spirit of fear plagues lives, potentially, of people in this room. And it's not because you've got some twisted mindset. It's because someone, namely our spiritual enemy, Satan, is opposing us. And he wants us to live an oppressed life. He wants us to live life that's, that's stripped void of any peace that God may provide for us. Uh, listen to this passage, Luke chapter number 4, verse 13. Jesus had just come out of 40 days of fasting and the enemy was um, tempting him. And it says this, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. He said, well, I've tried everything to make Jesus stumble and I can't, but I'm going to come, I'm going to try again at just the right time. And I believe that this is that time when Satan said, I'm going to give one last effort to try to keep him from doing this. Because I know if he does this, it will ruin me forever. And so he's plaguing Jesus' mind. Second Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7. Please hear this. Let this verse penetrate your heart. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Some versions say fear but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. When you experience fear, it did not come from God. God did not give you that. And you need to understand that that spirit of fear is from the enemy, and he is trying his best to keep you from experiencing what God has in store for you, to paralyze you from walking into the purpose that God set before you, to strip you of any peace and hope that you're going to find in this season of your life. If he can just convince you through the spirit of fear you're not good enough, that you don't have what it takes, that it's too scary, that, that bad things are going to happen, it's too uncertain. If he can do that and paralyze you, then he's one in our lives. And we can rest assured that just like Jesus experienced fear, when we experience fear, it's the enemy trying to find an opportune time to oppose us in our life. Here's, here's the beauty of the story of God. Let me say this first. All fear ultimately is a fear of death. I want you to think about it. All fear ultimately is a fear of death. Some of you might be afraid of snakes. Why are you afraid of snakes? You're afraid it's going to bite you, right? That kill you. Some of you are afraid of heights, why are you afraid of heights? You're not really afraid of being high off the ground. You're afraid of splattering, right? 
That's why you're afraid, because you're afraid if, if you fall, you're going to die. Every fear ultimately is a fear of death. It all leads to a mindset that takes us into a place that we don't want to be. But here's, here's the beauty of, of Scripture, is that we will never die. We'll never die. Do you remember when Jesus was speaking to Martha after Jesus was raised from the dead? And he said, who believes in me will never die. Do you know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when you take your last breath on this earth, you're taking your first breath in eternity? You don't die. You're just passing from one stage of life to the next, and it gets better. In fact, we are rescued from this life. We'll never die. We have nothing to fear. If we take our last breath in this moment, if we're secure in Christ, we're taking our first breath in the gates of heaven with a loving God for eternity. So we'll never fear. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. The writer of Hebrews says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death we might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Every fear that we face is because it somehow is tied to death, and we're afraid of death, even if it's spiritually speaking. And Jesus sympathizes with us. He knows what we deal with, and he's provided a way for us in him to be rescued from that death. So how do we, how do we get f- free from fear? You know, first, I want us to understand the different types of fear that I've alluded to earlier. There's, there's that fear of, of in the moment, this, this injection of, of response to circumstances that happen in the moment. Whether we scream, whether we move, whether we jump, there are healthy fears that keep us from being put in danger's way, like a car coming into our lane and us responding to save our lives. That's healthy fear. Good fear is circumstantial. It only lasts for a moment, right? Bad fear, it's perpetual. It doesn't end. It plagues us. It lingers. It doesn't go away when the circumstances change. Good fear is protective. It causes us to react in such a way that may be healthy. Bad fear is paralyzing. It just keeps you from doing anything. Good fear is instructive, Bad fear is confusing. I don't, I don't know what I should do in this moment because I'm afraid, but good fear says react, respond. Good fear is empowering. It helps you respond in healthy ways at times, but bad fear is enslaving. You can't get free from it. It holds you captive. It holds you imprisoned in your mind from experiencing what God has for you. You know, the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is not courage. I believe that it was Mark Twain that said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the mastery of fear. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's being able to navigate fear and still respond in healthy ways. The opposite of fear isn't courage, it's faith. 
The opposite of fear is faith. And we get to choose which we live. Fear is expecting the enemy, the devil, Satan. It's expecting the enemy to move when faith is expecting God to move. When we live our lives thinking the worst is going to happen, we're giving the enemy a platform in our lives. But when we expect God to move in spite of those circumstances, that's where faith helps us to rise above. Fear is reality minus God. Faith is reality plus God. Faith is saying God is with me in this situation, not this situation doesn't exist. And he's going to help me rise above this situation that the enemy might mean for harm. So let me give you a a couple of quick steps to overcome fear. Number one, admit that you're afraid. Admit that you're afraid without shame. Jesus himself went to the Father and said, Father, if there's any other way, I'm afraid, Father. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's no need to carry guilt and a burden of shame because you're afraid of something. I know that we live in this world where everybody tries to put their best foot forward and everybody wants everybody to think that we're all perfect and we put masks on and we hide behind faults, faces. So many times we think if we tell people how we really feel, then they'll look at us differently. But the truth is we've got to get to the point where we can admit that we're living in fear and we've got to allow the shame that comes with it to be stripped away so that we can actually come to God and get the healing that we need. Number two, we've got to submit our fears to God. If there's any other way, please provide another way, but not my will, but yours be done. In spite of the difficulty he was facing, he still was willing to endure it because he knew that he had to submit his fears to the will of God in his life. We've got to learn to act above our feelings. When we talk about fear, acting above our feelings seems so foreign. It seems so difficult, but you act above your feelings every day of your life. Anyone ever woke up in the morning and not felt like going to work? You still got in the car and you went because you needed a paycheck? You knew it was something that you had to do? You didn't feel like it. You didn't feel like going to school last week? But you still got up and you went to school. You didn't feel like getting up with a baby in the middle of the night, but you're not going to leave a baby in there suffering all night because you don't feel like it. We rise above our feelings all the time, and we've got to learn to do the same thing with fear. God's got the best perspective to guide us through life's most difficult situations. And so we've got to learn to run to him and lean into him and allow his perspective to guide us rather than our perspective to guide us. So we let faith in God say, God, I don't know. This is an uncertain situation, a circumstance. I'm terribly afraid. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust you. I trust that you have my best at heart. And I'm going to lean into your will in this situation and ask you to help me rise above it. And thirdly, we've got to focus on God's presence and love. Focus on God's presence and love. I love Psalm chapter 23. 
If you know the 23rd Psalm, if you're familiar with that, it's a beautiful picture of a shepherd caring for sheep. Psalm 23, verse 4 says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, anyone ever felt like you're just in this, the valley of the shadow of death? Anything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Nothing could get worse than this. Some of you have been there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We can trust that we're not alone, that we're guided by loving God that even when we feel fear in its most tangible forms, we can trust that God's with us and his presence and his love can guide us in those situations. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. I have, I have set the Lord always before me. It's a, great, it's a great reality for us to embrace. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That God's presence, God's love in the darkest of situations that we'll face in this life are enough for us to rise above and overcome our fear. And lastly, we face our fears by faith. There comes a moment with no matter how nervous you are, the game's going to start. No matter how afraid you are, like the decision has to be made, there comes those moments where you just have to make up your mind, here we go. I don't know what to expect. I'm terribly afraid, but it's going to happen now or never. Let's do this. And listen how Jesus ended this passage in Luke 22, verse number 48. Jesus, in his agony and anguish, comes out and he sees a crowd of guards coming toward him. And listen to his statement. Jesus asked him, Judas... Are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Here we go. Let's get this thing started. There was no, Judas, come on, let's let's think before we do this. There was no trying to convince him. There's no trying to weasel his way out. It was like he almost just buckled in and he said, all right, it's about to happen. And we're just going to go with it. And by faith, he trusted that God's best would help him get through the darkest of situations in his life. I don't know what, what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I know that for me, in the last six months, I've, I've dealt with feelings I've never dealt with before. And I've had some thoughts that I've never thought before. And there's been some circumstances in my life when life should look incredibly bright for me with an incredibly beautiful family and, and, and a life that is worth living. I've had just some circumstances that have caused me just to honestly feel paralyzed. I don't know if I can take another step. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I have what it takes to even go one moment further than I am now. Maybe it's not worth it. And I've been plagued by thoughts Thoughts of fear, 
that I can't even begin to describe to you, but I don't have to because I know many of you have had similar thoughts. But we can overcome those thoughts. And those thoughts don't have to paralyze us. And they don't have to keep us from experiencing God's best because we have a Savior who faced the same thoughts and He overcame them. And it's time for us, as children of God, to stand in the confidence that He has given us to be more than conquerors in the midst of the darkest moments of this life. I'm going to ask the band to come back, and in just a moment we're going to sing a final song. It's a song that I hope that you'll embrace as a prayer, especially if you're going through a season of your life where you're plagued with thoughts of fear. But I want us to end our time together before we sing that song with a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer that is basically going to say, I'm admitting that I've had thoughts of fear, that I've struggled with. I've, I've been in anguish and agony over some thoughts, over a mindset that's paralyzed me from experiencing God's best. And I want to be freed from that today. And I'm boldly and confidently going to stand in Jesus and allow faith to carry me through that situation and allow the love and the presence of God who is with me even when I don't recognize him to sustain me through those valleys of the shadow of death. And I'm going to rise above by faith this fear in my life and I'm going to stand in freedom today. And I just want to pray right now over us as a church that if that's you, if you struggle with those anguishing, agonizing thoughts of fear that hold your mind captive. I'm going to pray this morning that God's just going to set you free from that mindset. It needs to be taken captive, that thought does, because it's not of God. And we should not carry that with us through this life. If that's you, whether it's something you're uncertain about or something that you know that you're facing and you don't know if you can deal with it, but you've had thoughts of fear, and you would say, I want to be included in that prayer. Would you just stand to your feet? Just stand to your feet, and we're going to end in prayer. And then we're going to sing this song just as a declaration for God that we will not fear and will stand in him. Father God, you are a good God. We thank you that you endured thoughts that are similar to the thoughts that we've endured in these seasons of our life. And you overcame, and you conquered, and you rose above that fear. And you allowed the will of God to accomplish incredible things through you. And I pray for every man, I pray for every woman, I pray for every student in this moment that's standing, acknowledging that there's fear plaguing their thoughts. Whether it's fears of uncertainty or whether it's fears of acceptance or, or fears of the unknown, Lord, would you just in this moment take captive those thoughts that are not of you? I speak to the enemy in this moment and command you to remove your influence of fear from the people of God. We stand in the freedom of Jesus and his righteousness and we believe by faith that we're victorious, that in spite of any thoughts we may have, we're going to allow God's presence and his love to carry us through. And we'll stand victorious in these moments. It's not that the circumstances will necessarily change, but it's that our perspective will become the perspective of Christ. And I pray right now in this moment, Lord, 
that chains would just begin to fall from the men and the women and the students in this room who have been held captive by these thoughts. I pray that you would rescue us from ourselves and help us to learn to depend on you and trust you no matter what. And we thank you, Jesus, that when there was no other way, in spite of the fear that may have plagued you in that moment, you rose above that fear. And you did for us what only you could do for us. And you took a step and you allowed God's presence to carry you through those moments. May we experience a tangible presence of your spirit in this moment to give us a divine confidence that you're with us, that you're for us, that you're not against us, that we can run to you in this moment and find hope and find life. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,